Now prepare yourself for a deep dive with Dare. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome, everybody. It's the first official ever video podcast of Deep Dive with Derek. Today we have with us none other than Johnny Wheels. How are you <laughs> going? <laughs> great, great. It's a lot of um, nicknames that I would use to attach myself in the past, uh, you know, that I'm embarrassed about because they were just like inside jokes, right? So. <laughs> I don't know, like Canadian hoser. What kind of dumb name is that, right? Terrible, <laughs> terrible. And I still have it. I can't get rid of it. Too many things are still tied back to that. I have like, well, actually, you know what? The most things I get there are like email forward chains and whatever, you know, these like pass it on to 50 people. Otherwise something terrible will happen to you. But I don't know. I guess I've never forwarded them before and terrible things have happened to me. So maybe I should forward them. <laughs> but yeah, it's a junk, uh, junk email junk email address what's your what's your current uh, go-to nickname then just kyt i think i've just embraced the fact that my initials are pretty cool so uh kyt i mean i used to call um i mean even you knew about like flash but it started with that being my first online screen name for chess because i had to think of one and i'm like okay i imagine myself as someone who can play super fast and so flash with the flash just felt like i was the flash of chess at that time and and then many inside jokes. And now it's just like, just fully embracing my, but well, I've always loved my name, but now just embracing the initials as being the go-to nickname, let's say. No, pretty powerful. I guess you have to work with what, what, what you have, right? So <laughs> I was I was thinking about at one point going with the will, you know, like I told you for my, uh, I bought my new PC to, you know, as you see here, I think, and maybe I'll use this camera here to show my nice new G5 PC. Um, and my new Outlook, uh, I guess, subscription needed a new name. So I was going to go with Will Blaze, right? Because Derek is good, but unlike you, I don't love my name. You know, KYT, I guess, is kind of cool. Car Young Tom is good, but KYT really uh, has a good ring to it. But Derek, not exactly the most easy, ele elegant name to say, but Will? I mean, the very name itself means like will, willpower. It's such a strong name. How can you get better than that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anywhere that you could criticize Derek. <laughs> First time I hear you say it, man. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I've never associated my name with good things. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's, it's not really. Uh, I hear somebody called Derek. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that rings something. But will, will? I don't know. It, 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 it does something for me. So I don't know. At this point, who really cares? What's her name anyway? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's one of those things you don't use, <laughs> like your phone number. There's so many people I've known who in a pinch, when you ask them their phone number, like at a doctor's office or whatever, they just flat out have to think about it for 10 seconds, you know? I mean, what's 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 Caddy's phone number? Do you know it by heart? Of course you must. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What kind of question is that? <laughs> but like, maybe it's a function of like, I, I just, a long time ago, I memorized the, the pattern like of how it, so it's easier for me to remember, but uh, maybe not every single phone number. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen, we've seen some people change their names uh, over the years or, or even in the football, Ocho Cinco, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meta, Meta still World good. Peace. Yeah. Meta World Peace. <laughs> what his name was Ron Artest. He's still Meta World Peace. Oh yeah. Uh, right now, I think. So, um, so it went, uh, I mean, it would raise an eyebrow if you ever changed your name for real, but uh, you know it's not 
Well, what is that little name too? It's not really changing my name. It's like if, well, it's like instead of going by Car Young, you want to go by. Okay, does that work? But no, but you do you know what I mean. Like, could you go? You go as Car. People call you Car. Yeah, yeah. Nobody would ever call you Young, right? But right, Car Young. Except, except if it's someone who doesn't. Um, like I don't think Gobby. Gobby has always screwed it up. Like I don't even know if he knows. Like he calls me Mr. Young a lot, right? But that was like a habit from way back. And I'm not really sure. Like now he probably knows, but like at a certain point, he must have been confused at some point, right? So it is kind of confusing though, if you think about it, right? Hi, my name is Car Young. You figure that you're just being formal and saying your name is Car and your last name is Young. Right, 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 right. right. So I think Gobby, everybody's like, what's Gob? What's a Gobby or Gobi or you know, whatever you want to <laughs> call him, right? His name's Andrew, but Andrew, that's. He's not an Andrew in my books. He's a gobby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I bought uh, some BTC and Ethereum today, Car. What do you think? I mean, I I don't know. Like, it's one of those things I don't want to. Um, it's something I'm really fascinated about. Something I'm not pushing people super strongly to get, but people to be basically aware of. Like, um, just because if they if they think it's kind of cool to have and they didn't know about it, then like, I don't want them to miss the boat on something that they would have invested if they gave it their own look at it. And mm. um, it's something, especially for people who are looking for, you know, I, I, I view like me and you, like, let's say like right now, Pokemon cards are surging up like crazy or like all these collectibles, all these crazy things uh, that can gain in value. And I, I'm pretty sure whether it be, uh, us in CJP or in university at some point we're like we wish like we had something stored somewhere like oh like some really rare comic book yeah. how awesome that would be and um, you know Bitcoin has the chance to to be that where you just put a little in even though the price of a whole Bitcoin is a lot but the fact is you can buy any fraction of it and it the ceiling is is unknown so if you want to do a bit of a gamble then then you just put a bit in but like i can't really i don't have a strong side of, as to whether it goes up or down i just know it can go really high or really low <laughs> and if you want to gamble this, this is where you go or you know uh sports cards and pokemon cards since covid um mm. if you've been paying attention has, has reached it, it paying attention in those circles have like doubled or tripled or really risen in value. So, I mean, like if you want to go back to hockey or baseball cards, that might be some a hobby to get into as well. But so, um, mm. but the, the idea about BTC being so attractive is just that um, it's ramping up and, and people see, some people argue for it as a battle, as an inflation hedge, just like gold is. And it's kind of cool in that respect. And then we, we you know, see all these fiat currency breaking down in different countries like Venezuela, Zimbabwe, Argentina. And to see maybe like, maybe Bitcoin actually has some value and it will be adopted quicker and more massively than we think. And it's not as speculative as, as people thought when it was just some, some weird shit like five years ago, right? You're right though, because... <clears throat> Uh, when I had a podcast with Sergey, we were talking about the idea of um, people invest based on what they truly believe the future holds in store for them and for everybody, right? And we're talking about you know trade, different different countries having their currencies break down, hyperinflation. 
at a certain point, you have to wonder, are we going to get to a point where there really is going to be a hard boundary between the trade between, you know, North, North America, the, the EU and China? Or is it going to be really an era of globalized trade and open markets? Because if it goes one way, things might get a lot more hectic for those big S&P companies and all the, the big investments that you're taking a look at that, you know, but if you go the other way and you kind of protect yourself a Bitcoin, then if, you know, shit kind of hits the fan, I think you're a lot more protected against, you know, that volatility. You have that backup. Cause I think it's challenging gold right now for, for trying to be the new standard anyway. I mean, what would you think about that in terms of its you know, ability to replace gold? I think, yeah, people just say, um, I don't know how deep in the rabbit hole you've been. Like, obviously, the the Bitcoin super maximalists are like saying it's superior in almost every single way, right? <clears throat> I think you've heard the arguments. Maybe like it's divisible. It's mm. actually limited in supply um, versus like gold. If if people actually want it more, I think people would be encouraged to, you know, mine it more, dig it more. Bing, bing, bing. You're, you're, talk, you're talking to the right guy now, Car. <laughs> Not that easy. I mean, we've mined a lot of the really nice, I'll call them kind of more beautiful <laughs> deposits out there, the high, the high grams per ton gold out there. And now we're getting into a lot more polymetallics. We're getting into a lot more uh, uh, low-grade uh, deposits, which, which aren't necessarily that vast either. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it either in terms of like the, the, the real macroeconomics of, of the market. But I think the fact that Bitcoin, like you said, kind of has inflation built into it from what I've read, my little bit of the rabbit hole, I kind of stuck a, stuck a toe in the, <laughs> in the rabbit hole, just <laughs> if I'd get bidden or not while I made a small investment. But I, I think that's a good point. Uh, that's, it's well, like, some of the arguments are crazy. Like they, they, uh, they're like, uh, what if like, on the supply, back to the supply thing, they're like, what if an asteroid hits the earth and it's filled with gold? Or what if there's gold? <laughs> or if there's gold on Mars, then it would reduce the value. But like, these are small, I, I view them as small percent of the total equation, but maybe you view them as, as real possibilities as someone that, that deals with that stuff more. I, I, I think that might be an interesting idea. Maybe not with Maybe it has to be with Mars. Just imagine, right? I, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> knowledge here, okay? You have an asteroid. And what Sergey was saying is that right now we're mining the asteroid for like pretty much water, for fuel, to be able to travel further and to, to, to produce our own fuel easily from these um, asteroids. Now, if we could take asteroids containing gold and other precious metals and knock them into either the moon or Mars or whatever, then yes, we could collect gold. I mean, it's even theorized that some of the gold or a lot of the gold we have on earth came from an asteroid strike or meteor strike or whatever, who knows how long ago, right? So if we I could this. I'm learning. take an asteroid or something and <laughs> smash it into Mars, I'm sure you'd have like good gold deposits. I don't know how long it would take for that to settle and, and what the impact would be. But you don't really care about harming an ecosystem or ruining an atmosphere. Mars can't really have an atmosphere. It doesn't have a magnetic field to hold an atmosphere in, from what I understand. So anyway, let's say you do that. Then you can go collect the gold and come back. And hopefully it'll cost a lot less to bring gold and things back to Earth. Um, yeah, that could, be a, that could definitely be a solution. That's a long-winded idea. But ideally, you'd bring it to the moon, I guess, to have it shipped back quicker. 
but would you really want to take something and try to hit the moon with a giant rock? Like if you miss, you're hitting earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's too close, man. Too close. Don't. Uh... Um, but that, that, that would be, but that would be an argument against gold. Basically that there is like an untapped could be random untapped supply. It would be difficult and costly until we find another solution to something. I think. Versus Bitcoin, where there's only going to be, uh, because of the code, only ever going to be 21 million. Um, and, um, but the thing is, like, the, the, the counter argument to, to both gold and Bitcoin is that the intrinsic value argument. Um, some would say, you know, gold has value in jewelry and stuff, but like, according to what I've read, that only accounts for a small percentage of, of, of the amount of gold and what it's used for. So, like, that argument doesn't hold as much weight uh, as people think. And, um, but that's the, the, for me, that's the speculative part. It's like, you know, Bitcoin really like I have it, but the next day, if for some reason people think it's worth nothing, then, um, you know, I'm holding a bag of coals. Right. So, so (laughs) that's a challenge. The nice thing about, um, I don't know about Bitcoin, but gold, I know that I think about 20% of gold is put into, uh, I'll have to put a little, little blurb right here with the truth on, on the screen. Oh, my hands aren't high enough. A little blurb over here on the screen and, and say what the actual production is. But I thought it was about 20 to 30% of production is kept for um, in, in reserves into all the, the World Bank and everybody's, you know, Fort Knox's and whatnot of the world. Um and we have about 10 years of reserve left based on our current mining, the mining of, I think, 2019, I took a look at, uh, based on that, that rate, we'd have about 10 years of gold. If we took all that gold and used it, we'd have 10 years worth of production uh, to use. So, I mean, we do have a lot of gold and it is, I mean, it can't be quite destructive to try to mine it if it's just for some sort of backup currency, right? The thing I don't get about Bitcoin is how, like you have to run, a computer simulation you have to run a solve a problem and use energy to then create more bitcoin like i, I don't understand the whole energy create energy to bitcoin aspect of it the more technology aspect so i i, <clears throat> I wish i was an expert to tell mm. you i i'm also as uh, as noob as you are on that front i just know it's like they have to, uh, to to find more bitcoin they have to solve more and more uh, complex problems which require um, quite a high powered setup. So I have a friend that has a setup where uh, a mining machine where he has like, I, I don't know, 12 or 16 or 20 graphics card, like uh, attached to each other, mining Bitcoin and that the power of the electricity he uses, I don't know what this electricity bill is, but he's told me at one point he was make he's now making like $50 a day in Bitcoin in, in, but in, in, in USD worth of Bitcoin and, and uh, slowly ramping up to $100. But that's, that's without counting the cost of, of running that thing. Yeah. But I think that's, that's the cost, the, the high amount of electricity, because he tells me that in the summer, it's actually too hot. And in winter, he doesn't even need, well, he lives in a condo. He wouldn't even need a heater or whatever because it's so hot. So... Um, I can imagine why, like, there's some people say it's like, it uses a lot of energy. Um, and and as, as more gets mined, I think there's something, again, hopefully, like, I, I, I'd love to be corrected by a Bitcoin listener who is more of an expert, but 
every I think four years there's a there's something called a having, yeah. right? And then the problems are even harder, I imagine. So either takes more power, powerful graphics cards or even more energy. Um, so that that's my understanding of, of all that stuff. Hmm. I just hope that that energy is being used towards actually something productive or useful, not just uh, you know wasted energy to solve complex problems for nothing. I mean, what problems are being solved? Just <laughs> random problems? I mean, that seems kind of like a waste of energy. Let's take energy and like we're turning energy into like money. It's kind of weird. <laughs> like instead of yeah, selling yeah. it to do something else with it. I mean, anyway. No. But I wonder if it's just like, I mean, yeah. I do wonder if it's if it's great that it, it is like that. So it's like cleverly designed so that the supply, like people are getting a supplier. There's like X amount of Bitcoins created every day that people can buy. So it's sort of like. A, um, and theoretically, whoever can, whoever has the cheapest infrastructure and the cheapest energy supply can create the most Bitcoin, technically. Right. Well, apparently, from from what I read. China has most of the miners are in China. So like I thought 25% or something was in China. <laughs> so like I, I guess I don't know. I don't um, know if it's some evil Chinese overlord, <laughs> but uh a lot of Bitcoins being created there every day. Oh and uh but that's like that I don't know if you've contemplated this uh this whole thing, whereas um the whole rich get richer thing where people who are rich are going to get richer in, in this Bitcoin thing, right? Like people who can afford to buy a lot of Bitcoin, if it goes as high as some people think, they're going to be, they're going to have a lot of power basically. And, yeah. and I don't know what the implications of that, that are. Right? Some people are going to be, you know, they bought billion dollars of Bitcoin. And if that even double triples or 10 X is like, man. Wow. I'm nuts. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine all you needed was like $1 to invest and you never invested anything. You know what I mean? Like you put in one buck and you at least have like the equivalent of like $100,000. Whereas if you put like nothing in, you have nothing. <laughs> now it seems as if I'm pushing Bitcoin, but uh, I don't know. I think it's one of those things like Apple or Microsoft and whatnot that you wish you would have gotten into when you were younger and you didn't, right? Had you gotten to Bitcoin in 2013? I well, actually, it's the highest it's ever been right now. What was it in 2013? It's gone up. No, it was lower than that. The we broke uh, the the all time high was was uh, I, I forget, but like we've we've way past that now. And yeah, I agree with you. It's like uh, we can say that about so many things, right? So uh, that we could have uh, even like even recent stuff like Shopify, Amazon, Tesla that have recently shot up. Like you know, we because it's just hard to tell at the time. If those things will shoot up so we're we're here where we're like me i'm saying i have no idea where bitcoin's going but but imagine you had an energy source you could imagine you in you cracked like fusion or like they're doing right now in china and in korea they're creating like the mini artificial suns right so in korea they have a nuclear reactor that burnt hotter than the sun for longer than they've ever been able to hold it so once they crack that ability and energy becomes so much more abundant and cheap and easy that just creates more opportunity to, to mine Bitcoin, right? Like imagine you could all of a sudden have the same output for, you know, one fifth the cost, boom, all of a sudden, technically, you know what I mean? You could just, uh, if you have the capital to actually create the infrastructure, you could, you know, five, 
make a company five times as big, a mining operation, right? Your cost just got five times lower. You're so much more profitable. So I'm wondering if this actually is like a clean energy gauge, Bitcoin. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. That seems to have that implication in behind it. If all it is is energy being created, turned into bits of information stored in a server somewhere. Hmm. Probably, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to read up more on this uh, <laughs> later this week. Because, yeah, I think it was like, it was more of, um, so I, I'm, I'm into it like super late in the game, right? I came uh, into it when, like, if, if any of us would have bought it early 2010, uh, we would have made quite a bit of profit. Um, but I, I got in late, super late 2010, when it was already at like 15, 16K USD. And it was more of like, I just want to get in a bit without fully understanding it because um, it's one of those things that like there, there's some opportunity costs. If you, if you take too long, like thinking, mulling over it, <clears throat> you might miss the train. Um, and if you're putting in uh, an amount that you can rest, that you can lose, then like um, there, there's just that upside. Yeah. And it's a, uh, I don't know, weird adult problems to have investing in whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's just a little fascinating though. It's fascinating, but I can't see how I can understand why people, um, when I used to substitute uh, for, for my high school at some point, one of my first jobs was a part-time substitute teacher. And I would see a science teacher checking his, his stocks like at lunchtime. And I'm like, because these things basically move every second, depending on what, on, on Questrade, you can see them move like every second on uh, Wealth Simple, it's every 15 minutes. On Google, if you look up a stock, I think they update that chart every 20 minutes. So, like, man, that stuff is addicting, man. I can see why why people like <laughs> just refresh all yep. the time. Yep. Am I a millionaire? Am I a millionaire? Am I a millionaire? Just getting ready to like sell and like go into your boss's office, throw the phone down, and uh... <laughs> oh man, that has to be. I mean, I wish it wasn't uh, so. Because it's it's basically why we uh, discourage people from all those constant notifications on phone, right? Stock moving is such a dopamine hit every time, right? <laughs> you just made a grand. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's kind of it's like that. But it also works the other way, though, man. I mean, I checked this morning, and that that's that ETF you recommended to me. I think it's been down two percent since I got it. So, uh, yeah, it's. Uh... Not it's a bad. rocket today, though. It's a rocket today. Oh yeah, yeah. It started going down in the afternoon as people are selling off, but it's at its highest point since I bought it. So what's what's the the the, the code again? Uh, by by the way, uh, I, sh- I should say I, I personally and card you can say that too. Um, no expert when it comes to financial things, so do not listen to my advice if I'm telling you to buy or sell. Aren't we both supposed to say that? Because uh, I think do we have to? I, by like YouTube law, I, I don't know. YouTube I don't know why why everyone says that. I feel like they're scared of getting sued for giving bad advice. I don't know. They're, they always say this is for uh, entertainment purposes only, right? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe. It's funny, huh? Because again, it's either either or. Because you either get that or you get people like uh, uh, those those ads like V Shred and whatever, where they come on, they just tell you like, "I'm the world's biggest expert in everything," and you're like, "Okay, cool. <laughs> tell me what to do." Yeah, man. So I have. Uh, 
XEQT, the iShares Core Equity ETF portfolio, currently at 2377 as of when I'm reading it. Uh, yeah, today's return is 0.62. That's okay. My, my total return is 0.45. Okay, there you go. Woohoo. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at 1% for total return. Uh, bought it at 23.53. Yeah, my hero so far, I'm only at 0.48. I like, I like that one, man. The e-gaming index, like you like you're talking about Sounds before, uh, with Pokemon cards and whatever. I'm sure that market has to go up. I mean, what are people doing? Like you know, here in Quebec, we're going to be locked down, curfew, uh, shackled to our to our desks for another at least four weeks or whatever. So um, I forget. I I can't I can't swear on the show. Would I swear? No, no, no. Like, I, I'm asking for myself. What about like s- sexual terms? I don't know. What, what, whatever you, whatever we can say, so I can put it on YouTube and not have to flag it as eighteen plus material. I'm happy with or explicit. Do you have to? If you said the f word, would you have to on YouTube uh, bleep it out? Uh, I don't would think it be- so. I think it's pretty. It's pretty liberal on on YouTube. I feel like you can say a lot of stuff. I'm just saying, like you say, like what are people doing at home? I just felt like you know. Oh, like okay, I see what you mean. Uh, dude, say, say whatever you want. You, you uh, you do whacking you... off, or you know, <laughs> choking a chicken, <laughs> dude. Man, I mean, people have to pass the time somehow. You have a whole bunch of people who are like who are not allowed to have any social interaction with people, right? The dating scene must be so weird right now. Are you allowed to? I don't, I don't even know. Do you know what I mean? I guess you're allowed to go visit somebody else randomly if you meet them on. People do it anyways. Like uh, people gathered for the holidays, uh, even with the Lego uh, stuff, right? So it doesn't. Yeah, I think like half the Canadians they said, or or sixty percent of Canadians actually went and did something <laughs> over the holiday. And I, I mean, can't believe people would answer that survey though. Yeah, I did visit my family. What? I it's pretty cocky. I know. Like I know it says anonymous, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> And then again, I've had friends who have posted things on on Messenger that I found quite risque that I would never put on there. Um, you know what I mean? Just information about certain, let's call it a slightly uh, questionable, <laughs> questionable behavior that we all kind of do, you know. But uh, I'd never write that on 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 Messenger or text message. I'm too uh, too paranoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've there's some stuff that I only send on it i mean no app is safe but i but i hear uh even though facebook owns whatsapp that sending things on whatsapp is a bit uh they track that stuff less i don't know but yeah i'm like you there's some stuff that uh uh if i have to tell a family member or a friend thing like uh, i think the best way is still like probably a phone call at that point yeah. still even like to let's say exchange passwords or any sensitive information. Um, I, I guess people can still, I mean, we don't know what like is trackable. I guess people can still track that shit and, and decipher what we're saying. But, uh, but I, I did want to clarify. Uh, yeah. I wanted to jump on this call to talk about like uh, investing ETF to clarify uh, to you because it's not, it, it's kind of sometimes some stuff is kind of tough to do over text. And also because, you know, I just started investing um, recently and I'm not a super expert, but because of my you know, ultra 
big brain, um, I guess, gambling background, I want to avoid myths and, and strategies you know, as quickly as possible. And there exists a ton in investing. So I don't know in gambling if you, you must have heard of uh, the Martingale system. No, explain it. Okay. And you, you probably, it's the Martingale system is basically playing any casino game and uh, doubling your money for, for every loss until you eventually win it back. And to anyone, that seems super logical that uh, you can bet two bucks, you lose your next bet, you bet four bucks, you lose like, and that makes even more sense when they're playing something that is close to 50-50%, whether it be roulette, <laughs> blackjack, um, and, and other of the sorts. So they have this high confidence that, you know, you couldn't possibly lose eight coin flips in a row. And so you just keep doubling your money until you make it back. But of course there's things against that, which is um, the casino might have a limit to how high you can double. Like, you know, you play the limits 3000. And if you actually do the math, it's not worth the one time you actually go, on a really bad run you're gonna lose a lot of money once and it doesn't make up for because each each time you're doubling you're just trying to make back that one unit back so it doesn't make up for the all the times you win that one unit back that huge loss but that concept alone has made a lot of people a lot of people have tried it i think i've probably tried it when i first and i probably gambled that way before anyways where it's like oh i lost 10 bucks i want to i want to everyone wants to leave the casino break even right like yeah. you put 10 bucks you lose, you're like, okay, I got to put 20 now, right? <laughs> um, or I got to put 10 to win back to 10 to try to win back to 10. But if I lose again, I'm going to put 20 to try to win back to 20. So, and I feel in, in investing, what I entered was there's a lot of these different strategies and systems that uh, I basically questioned to make sure like I wasn't doing something completely idiotic. <laughs> so now, now I have an idea of what like an ETF is. So I was, I think I was wrong. Now I describe what an ETF is to you at the beginning. It's not exactly like an index. I think an ETF essentially is just a basket of different stocks in any field, any sector, or it could be anything, literally anything from many different sectors, but it just trades like a stock, like a single stock, basically. That's why you can buy and sell it, right? So that's essentially what that is. And... So it's not the fact that it's an ETF that I love it. It's the fact that it's a, a basket of all these different stocks um, in Canada, U.S., and foreign countries. And its um, goal is just to be diversified in all those markets and in different asset classes, whether it be tech, finance. You know, there's, there's a mixture, a little bit of both in all of them. But a mutual fund, <clears throat> a mutual fund is pretty much the same thing as an ETF, if we just take a look at holdings, right? If you just take a look at the holdings, what they have, they're both comprised of a multitude of different stocks or you know, bonds or equities or whatever that they have within their portfolio. And you can get that from an ETF or a mutual fund, right? Right, right. What's different is that mutual fund, you're paying more because apparently there's some man or woman sitting behind, or person, <laughs> sorry, sitting behind uh, um, you know, a computer desk taking a look at, I guess, more fluid, more, how do you say it? Less scientific 
approaches, less algorithms, less math and more, oh, I have a feeling, do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, well, this just happened. And historically when, you know, our right-wing populist people start getting in power, the left-wing pushes this way, you know, it's going to go more towards one sector or another. So you know when to sell and how to hedge, right? But I would figure they still use algorithms to help them. Like a really good mutual fund manager must yeah, yeah. up to date with the newest technologies and algorithms and programs and whatnot. So at a certain point, I don't know, it just, you, you know, my experience going to TD and, and talking to that guy and didn't know what he was talking about at all, at all, like flat out. He just flat out told us bad information. And at the same time, he didn't know about like anything that they offered. I was like, how, like, what are the fees for this? He's like, oh, I'm not quite sure about that. I'm like, okay, what's the difference between a mutual fund and ETF? Can I invest in, in this one or that one? It was very, um, uh, more like a sales pitch, more like a just come in and it's a car dealership will just give you a package more than I'm buying this person's knowledge and their, um, their know-how and their savvy, right? Unfortunately, because it's a very, it's a big company, right? TD, it's a huge bank. So second gonna largest, have, I think. Second largest bank in Canada? Scotia's number one? Royal Bank, Royal Bank. Number really? one. I thought Scotia was bigger than TD. I have been told by a lot of people that I, I haven't checked it myself, but a lot of people have told me Royal Bank, RBC is number one. Don't worry about it, man. With Filmora Pro, I'm just going to go on here after and have all these cool text effects. And, you know, you're going to have these big pop up saying TD number one, <laughs> whatever number two. I'll point up right here. Ta da! <laughs> Three, two, one. There you go. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I, if, if I let you to believe that, I, uh, mutual funds, like the, it's, it's whatever the, the guy or girl, uh, thinks is the like their style it could be technical analysis they could be doing anything it's not uh, necessarily feeling like uh, my wife has been had a mutual fund with rbc it's called the the growth a portfolio and when you look it up on the website it's a woman the like each of them have someone that's the portfolio manager and it's a woman that manages and she picks the assets that uh think will fit a growth strategy so um, and really, yeah, like the difference is if they pick the same things as my ETF, the only difference is the, is the fee, the management fee. And, um, but the, the thing that drew me into just picking an ETF for now as, as the safest play, it's just, uh, the many articles or data that I've read. Um, like maybe I'm mentioning stuff that, that you've heard before, or you don't know, like Warren Buffett challenge a bunch of mutual fund investors like a million dollars that he just has to pick an index fund the s p 500 and these uh managers had to beat him within i don't know five or ten year span and they all lost wow so and there's a lot of evidence that like 90 percent or whatever 90 plus percent of mutual fund managers actually underperform the market so it's like okay if if that's true then why would you pay extra for someone that is trying to beat the market and at first it's like, I think everyone has the same feeling as you, my wife and myself initially is like, shouldn't, you know, if it's a Latau, shouldn't an expert be able to, to beat the market? But I think it's the, then I realized that for the most part, um, the market, there's this market efficiency hypothesis that suggests that the market is efficient. And for the most part, it is uh, in the sense that just a random guy or woman can't really 
gain a, a huge advantage because everything like the price that you see already has everyone's opinion, um, expert opinion, everything included in that price and only new information might push it up or down. So for instance, um, if you thought a sector was going to boom, right? And you think, you know, you might profit from investing in that sector, but if everyone else also thinks like that, then the price already has that included in it, that, that hype. If it's already been hyped by everyone, then you're not making, you're not, the advantage you gain is, is minimal because the price won't go up that high because everyone's already on board. Is an ETF almost like the ultimate uh, John Nash type of um, approach? I don't know if you remember A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Yeah, I remember that. But what would you mean by his, that approach? Well, the fact is like if everybody goes for like the bombshell, then nobody goes home with anybody. But if they all go for the brunette or whatever. Anyway, it was a very <laughs> antiquated. It was, it was a movie from back in the 60s or whatever anyway. right? So uh, not a movie, but the, the story. So the ETF is kind of like you're kind of monitoring the growth and the health of the system. Whereas a mutual fund, you benefit from beating the system, meaning aha, I know this is going to happen because I have some information. I've read the cards and I, and I know, I think I know better than everybody else what directions, what's going to happen in the future. And then you apply that logic to your selling or trading beforehand. Do you know what I mean? And that way, because I mean, a computer is never going to know that, um, you know, the world's biggest steel manufacturer all of a sudden is having massive issues at their biggest plant and the price of steel is going to drop drastically. I think that's the kind of thing that a good uh, mutual fund manager would have is that knowledge of, of people, of business, of the world, of how things work more than uh, just, you know, uh, you know, trends, you know, more working off of uh, metadata and things like that, the more humanistic aspect of it. Have you ever watched the show Billions by any chance? On the to-do list. I think you've mentioned it uh, multiple times. You ought to watch it. You'd love it. You'd love it for two reasons. I know you, you love baller shows. I'm assuming anyway, you seem to like baller type people. And he's, he's a big baller. He's making big money. Um, at the same time, uh, it's quite interesting. It goes into finance and it kind of shows you the good and bad uh, aspect of, you know, mutual fund companies. Anyway, it's a funny show, but uh, funny and interesting and intense. But what I was trying to say is that in the in, at one part of the show, it really gets to ETF versus mutual fund, right? Like an algorithm versus people. And that's what people brought in the show. And I think people bring in real life is that knowledge of talking to people and getting a feeling for things and understanding the human aspect and, you know, understanding. I'm, then again, I don't know. How, how, how much do you think that a, an algorithm can really capture human behavior? So like, I, maybe because maybe you're, you're also confused about like <laughs> the ETF because it's not like the algorithm isn't trying to predict like depends on what ETF you get but the one that that we both have currently it doesn't do any algorithm magic it just um, I mean it, it just takes what the big companies are and owns a bigger per, uh, percentage of those versus the small ones so like you'll have, if you look at the holdings, you'll have a lot of Google, Amazon, whatever, Shopify, the big companies and smaller aspects of the other ones. So it does no magic. There's no, it just like, it's just the most boring thing possible. For, 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 the, for the most boring ETFs, like 
XEQT, I completely agree with you. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. And and even and even the hero one that I have, you look at the companies in there, and they have Nvidia, they have I think Dell, they have even like uh, I think they have Facebook or something in there too for some reason I don't know what, but or Alphabet company. So they they have a whole bunch, but uh, I think I think some of them do 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 that though, man. I think they do take a look at at least tra- tracking certain indices and and hedging them against I guess the other assets they have in the portfolios the more complex when i was i've been taking a look at anyway have more built into them you know what i mean right right i think i agree with you there there is a spectrum where like at some point like the line is kind of blurred between etf and mutual fund right like like I, at the end of the day even my etf some guy had to decide which countries or whatever um to to balance the index with there there was some human element to the to whole the whole thing and it's just like, as you get closer to a mutual fund, it's like that guy does more human decisions or whatever. Um, it's not a set it or forget it formula that is uh, easy to manage. And, uh, but, but I wanted to comment on like the whole, you know, the whole feeling that s- someone must be able to beat it. I think like my experience with sports betting, which is um, a smaller market, there's smaller people obviously than the stock market. And in your mind, you have to feel like, and, and when I was in high school in CGIP, you, you have to feel like people, people must be able to beat the spread, right? Like, um, you know, this week, the Steelers are, uh, I don't know, favored by six or whatever, a touchdown over, over Cleveland. And you must feel like expert must be able to know or predict. And um, the thing is, most of people cannot beat the casino, even though it seems like you have all this information out there that you can analyze, like the running play, the football plays. But the reason uh, because you can't beat it is because the the line just moves because of this information. Mm. And like the, the, the richest people or the biggest sharps, uh, the smartest people with the biggest money betting, they're going to, by the way they bet, they're going to move that line. And then right before the game starts the the closing line is usually one of the most uh, predictive um, predictions as to how the game will play out. And why, why is that? Because at that time, that's all the possible information that goes into that line. And so when you view that as, as, as also like prices of different stocks, that's why it's, it's hard to beat it because everything that you think or a mutual fund guy might think they have an edge on like, it's probably already accounted for in the price already. So mm. like you think it's, you think it's going to go higher, but no, it's already at that price taking into consideration possible, that possible news or trend or outcome that you think is going to happen. A lot of people already think that. So it's like, you have to be like, basically you have to be, I think you mentioned the beautiful, my example, like you basically have to be an extremely smart contrarian to to make big bucks, man. You have to like pick a random cup. That's what you have to be one of those guys, like pick a random company that like a hundred X's or whatever. Cause if everyone knew about it, it wouldn't go a hundred X. It would already shoot up way before. So. Yes and no though. There's signs, right? And then there's risk tolerance like you're talking about before. The reason a lot of people don't jump in at least soon enough is because they're not willing to take on that risk or they don't have any evidence that the risk is worth um, the benefit, how high it could really go, right? 
like for example, Bitcoin, right? If, if Bitcoin right now is at 40, 45,000 and it can only go up to 100,000, that's the max. Well, then the best you can really do is what, double your money from, from Bitcoin if that's the suspected maximum. But if your suspected maximum is, you know, a million for Bitcoin, now we're talking different. Now we're saying, okay, my potential payout is much better, right? And I think that's the problem with the average investors. People just don't know. Both a little bit of research, I think you can try to target, like, like a limited with Shopify, right? I mean, he did his research, he did his homework, and then he pulled the trigger on it. So I, I don't know. I think you can get in on something on the ground floor early enough. It just, you know, like you said, you, you might... It's like, okay, poker is a good example. I, I think you, you told me that you always have to be losing and showing enough losing hands in the game to win. If you're not losing enough, you're not going to win because you're not seeing enough hands. You're not getting enough chance. Uh, did I misquote that? Possibly. <laughs> well, you know what I mean though, right? If you're playing a poker night and like you don't play any hand, you're not going to, you're going to lose all your money every time the antis come around, let's say in Texas. Right, right. Okay, okay, right, right. So you, ha you have to be getting to a point in the game where you're showing your cards and you're saying, ah, oh, you got me. You know, at least a couple of times in the game. Because you're right, not saying right. that enough, you know, there has to be a certain like, uh, you have to have a certain tolerance level for loss too. There's going to be loss. You're going to lose hands. You're going to lose investments. You're going to uh, lose over a certain time for your investment too. It's a long-term investment. So I think you have to accept that, that loss. That's a complete tangent, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I think my example was uh, my exact example for poker players out there was uh, if you never get caught bluffing, mm. you're, not, you're not bluffing enough because okay. that means like you should keep bluffing because no one's no one's catching you, right? So 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 you're not even close to the equilibrium if you're never getting caught, um, and you want to be like obviously maximizing your your expected value by bluffing as much as you can without getting caught but if you're like if you never hit that line that means like you're clearly not bluffing enough um my point with the uh like the risk thing is like i think basically once people like um myself and you or uh or other people like other regular people i guess like laymen like us not like these technology experts i think once it's deemed as not risky i think the price will will actually be too high. That's what I'm going to feel is going to happen. So once like some news of how like Bitcoin will be massively adopted, that's what we see this crazy spike. It's like, it's going up. Sometimes it goes up 10% a day. It's like, it's ridiculous. Like other stocks are like, you know, and then Bitcoin, the graph, it's like, like this, like any, any huge news uh, makes it shoot up. So I think like by the time we think it actually has a chance to hit a million, it's going to be like really close to a million already. Um, so now like the thing is, it's like, you have to take the gamble now or, or whatever, depending on your risk tolerance. <laughs> Cause the least, you know, the least, you know, is like the, the, the higher the upside, the, the reason for that volatility is that no one really knows. Um, whereas everything else like Tesla, you can see, the profits they made, the cash they have on their balance sheet, you know, their expected earnings. You have a lot more information, hence low, uh, a lot less volatility as, as the company matures. So the least you know, the, the more it can go up. You're on mute, by the way. 
Damn it. <laughs> no wonder I wasn't getting through. Um, you said that the less you know, the more you can make. I, I... Like the, 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 because the whole idea of, like I view it as like um, the basic concept I view it, I, I almost trick it down to like playing at a blackjack table. If you don't play, you can't win anything. If you bet five bucks, you can win five bucks. Bet 10, you can bet 10. So like the more risk you take, the more upside you get, but obviously the more, more downside you get. So like investing in stocks, you're investing in the fact that historically it's gone up eight to 10% a year. Right. So even if you actually, even if you gamble and you, and they've done this like research where like monkeys pick (laughs) random stocks and, and they've done like a study where like monkeys picking stocks can do just as well as some mutual fund managers because as an average stocks are going up that much. So if you're throwing random darts, you know, on average, you're supposed to hit that 8% expectation somehow. Right. So, um, all to say that like that 8%, you know, the more, you know, the more you bet, the more you put in your wealth, simple account, the more upside you have, (laughs) (laughs) but the more downside you could have also. And, uh, yeah, I think, basically as more known information uh, about where a company or uh, cryptocurrency is headed, the less volatile it will become. So it's going to go like, no, it's not going to like go up 1K, 2K every freaking hour. It's going to slow down at some point once like we have, because basically no one really knows where it's going. Like about a million, a million from now, right? It's kind of crazy, right? Like when you think about it. Yeah, a million it's... seems kind of high. I mean, at that point to buy one Bitcoin for $1 million, it's, what does it even mean? Do you know what I mean? I just. <laughs> Derek Blaze just sold his house for half a Bitcoin or whatever. Half a Bitcoin? You know? like, uh... <laughs> Can I eat it? <laughs> Is it? I hope you round up or down. I hope you, <laughs> they round up. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Can't even, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. Like you, there's uh, just how to to even fathom that that could be happen. So, I mean, maybe like, what does it even mean if somebody who has like a billion, like that's the other question. Let's say all of a sudden, boom, you have that much in Bitcoin I guess Bitcoin becomes an incentive to do everything. I guess Bitcoin has to become accepted in more places to really be worthwhile. Because how else do you you trade in it? Once it starts to plateau and hit its more ultimate maximum, what's the incentive now? Do you know what I mean? It's just the a trading. Ulti- the, not the maximum. The ultimate. The maximum. ultimate. <laughs> ultimate maximum, man. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I guess at that point, it's kind of just standard currency. Like you said, it becomes fiat um, and, you know, it all replaces it. And and there you yeah, go. If you, so if you didn't get on it early, well. Yeah. I, like, it's interesting that it might be more massively adopted quicker than I thought where people are like, like Visa has already come out with a credit card where if in the U.S. only, sadly, where you use it, you get like a small Bitcoin kickback for some reason. Wow. Or um, Bitcoin credit cards with Visa were you know, on the spot, it just con- somehow, I don't know how it's going to work, but it just converts your Bitcoin straight to USD or whatever. Wow. So you, that you can actually spend 
your Bitcoin. Because right now, like the major complaint from from regular folk is that you can't spend it, right? It's hard to yeah. use. But I think the technology to do that is coming. So like who like in the laundromat across the street from me, there's like this AT, Bitcoin ATM. And like I don't really understand who and why people are using it because obviously the rates are worse than you can get on, on well, simple Gemini yeah. worse than you can get on ShakePay or Newton, all these other Canadian apps. It's like, wh- who, go- who goes to a laundromat to acquire or, or send bit? I, I don't get yeah. it, man. Yeah. I don't get that either. I, I even feel like I even feel if you were there, I would have the courage, but I even feel like asking the guy, he's like lining up and like, I'm like washing my clothes and I'm looking at him. I just feel like, Yo, uh, <laughs> but I could see you... it. I could see it, man, because some people it's unfortunate, but some people, some people really are sending it to their are, I don't know how to say it. they're not, they're, they're, they're less bright, but they're more <laughs> gullible. Look, I'm sorry. This, you have to, this, you Look, have I'm to sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? You're, you're right. You're right. I was told I have to be more, I have to be more straightforward. And you know, in 2021, I'm going to be more straightforward. Some people are just playing dumb. I'm sorry. You fall for a Nigerian scam like four times or something. At a certain point, it's like, come on. I understand elder people can be taken advantage of, but there's some people who are just really gullible. And it's unfortunate because they get taken advantage of by scam artists, right? And I think part of, I don't think Bitcoin is a scam necessarily, but people are definitely using it to scam people, right? To mm-hmm try to manipulate them, get them into thinking it's like a really, you know, a, a surefire thing. Look at how much money you're going to make by the end of the year. And then you know what a lot of people end up doing? You put your money in there and what's the number one thing you do? Well, what happens when you get a gain? What do you do with your gains? Do you get them sent to your bank? Or do you have them stay and make more Bitcoin? Because Bitcoin is going up. So why not keep it in, right? Like you said, money makes money makes money. And I think a big crash can really hurt a lot of people who put all their, their eggs in that basket. And some people will because they desperately want to get rich quick. And that's probably the reason why I said before, I wasn't hesitating for saying dumb people. Cause unfortunately at a certain point you have to value effort and, you know, future earnings and the, you know, the effort that things take, if you want something that's nice. It takes effort to be able to, to, to work towards getting it. You can't just get rich quick. You know, it's nice to want to get rich quick, but, it takes smart decisions and research and whatever, not just throw my money at Bitcoin and there you go. It's going to do the work for me. You understand what I mean? It takes. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always believe that too, for, for the most part, just because if it was, if something was that easy, like it would have been exploited somehow already or by someone or, or yes. someone else to, to the point where it couldn't be exploited. And, and I don't know if you've heard about BitConnect. Nope. That was one of, that was like a, a Ponzi scheme that got a lot of people roped in where you gave them a bit connect money um, to invest for you or whatever. And, and everyone you referred to like the bit connect system, you would get like, obviously the typical pyramid scheme, you would get some kind of um, you would have to pay some, some fee to get in. And uh, you thought that you were just lending this money to be invested by some by BitConnect, which is apparently running some investing algorithm. I don't know what what the the whole thing was like. People all got in, and um, at the end of the day, it was found to be Ponzi scheme, and it crashed real hard to where it was worth nothing. Like really? um, 
some people invested like, like there's a famous YouTube video of a guy who invested 20,000 of his life savings and it was worth, worth zero because they got refunded. At one point they got refunded, not in USD, but in BitConnect coins. And that the number of BitConnect coins they got was depending on the money that they had in, uh, evaluated to what the BitConnect coin was worth at that time. So like everyone got a shit bunch of BitConnect coins, but obviously they're worth nothing, right? So, yeah. you know, I got 20K worth of BitConnect coins, but the price is dropping every second <laughs> and to the, until it got to zero. <laughs> so um, yeah, those guys who wa- thought they were getting rich or thought they were getting uh, a free lunch, they, uh, they lost it all. No such thing as a free lunch, right? Even me, yeah. I only offer to buy you ribs if you do podcasts with me. So. <laughs> what do you think about that? I always think about like the whole um, income inequality. And when you think about it, like the exploits that the really rich are doing, makes me like they're clearly abused. Well, is abuse exploiting cheap labor, et cetera. Like they're profiting way more than the people like down there. And it's like, ah, you know. They're like us, us, there's no free lunch for us. Cause we're like in the middle somewhere, but them, they're just like taking advantage of every uh, poor person uh, that really needs to do anything to survive. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to be cynical, but I mean, I really, I really think that if we wanted to have a society that was better educated, more able, more trained, more thoughtful, we would do it. Right. I think we would put the effort and energy into doing something as a society. We, you know, we put our energy and effort into going to space to try to push technology to push the envelope of science. Well, do we push the envelope of, you know, human issues such as, you know, just biology? I mean, we don't even know what, how to deal with a, a virus that pops up. I'm sorry. I get that it's difficult. Science is difficult, but I'm disappointed that we're, well, 2020, 2021, and we haven't mastered that aspect of our world and yes it's fun to go explore other worlds and whatever but there's so many things that i think we have to do we have to explore in terms of you know education in terms of helping people out and 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 having a population that can that can be more agile that can do more things uh, people can have more skills and and have a government that helps you figure out where there's a need so you can figure out what you have to do to do it you know you want me to code you want me to do this or that but it's a capitalist market, which makes that difficult, right? That market that is a, a, aside from government, because all this stock market and, and money market we're talking about is like its own entity, right? Like companies, corporations, and then you have governments that are trying to just regulate people and trying to make sure that things run smoothly and that we use our excess capital that we make in our countries to, to give us services. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I just feel triggered right now, you know, after the the lockdown and all those uh, uh, terrible news to me all the time. I know we didn't want to keep, get, get, get on that topic, but that uh, oh boy. I, I thought you were going to make another point about... Um, I mean, I probably made like three points there. That's my problem, but continue. <laughs> one point I thought you were going to make, and I, I, I have <laughs> thought about this before, why? Because clearly I'm, I'm different than, let's say, like eventually... You know, I want to be financially independent, whichever way, like working hard, whatever. However, I'm going to get there. I'm going to try to get there. But there's people that um, 
like people that have like nine to five jobs as like a cashier at a Walmart or IGA Metro, right? Yeah. The thing is like, it's funny because like the system sort of does like not the system, but like, I guess the owners of these companies like desires people like that, the, that don't have like these crazy, how do I put it? Like crazy aspirations that they're just fine. Nine to five. They know what the paycheck is. Like they get their paycheck, they go home, they pay their bills and, mm-hmm. and they like the com- comfort of that. And it's, it's interesting that like, those people or or any probably any bigger company even like let's say my card store uh, company that i work for um they would want like all their employees to just like ideally they wouldn't have to retrain new people if like everyone was just doing the same thing and then have greater aspirations to move on to something bigger or start their own company mm-hmm. um so my point was like you know we like I guess society like encourages people in these lower classes to, to like stay where they are basically. Right. Like they just want them to keep grinding that job until they retire and die. Basically. There's only so much room you have. There's only so many people that can sit around a boardroom table and make a decision. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Like you can't have 10,000 people unless you want to have, see for that's the problem, right. For a company, it makes sense. Right. It's efficient and whatever. A government is more organic with with us and what we want and our values that we're trying to do. But for a company, I, I, I definitely agree. There's no need to have a tra- everybody be the most trained person in the world. It takes time, energy, and effort. The issue I see, right, is let's say we get to a point where everybody's financially stable. Like once you're financially stable, you keep working, right? And I guess the question becomes, as a society, you kind of need your citizens and everybody to at least put in as much effort in their life as, well, on the whole, mm, put as much effort in as you take out too, right? Because if boom, all of a sudden you and I were like, you know, millionaires, what's the first thing everybody says they're going to do, right? I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Go into my boss's office, take a poo on the on, on the desk, and uh, you know whatever. You know. I mean, there's some people that say, "No, I love working," and 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 I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but they're not wrong though, because even if, and I think that's why when people get old and retire, they end up dying sometimes because they're bored. They're, they're not doing anything. They have no projects. A lot of people once they retire, even at my work, they'll come back and do projects. They'll retire, take some time off, come back do some projects, come back to the project sounds good or the people they're working with or the people they jive with. Um, so I think at a certain point, you have to do something. You have to have a project. You have to have, you have to work. You have to produce something. Otherwise, what are you doing? Just consuming, just watching TV and eating? Choking so, my chicken. <laughs> yeah, even that's going to get bored eventually, man. Think about it. If you did nothing but that for like a year straight, eventually you'd be like, <laughs> All right, you know what? Like, I'm cutting this off and gonna go do something else. Because... <laughs> I'm cutting this off. Um, I do wonder if that's a product of people. Um, no, I, I wonder if I will become like that, or I just find some people don't have enough hobbies. Like, there's a lot of things that I would still do. Like, uh, I would start my own YouTube. Ch- I, I, okay, it's still goes in line with what you said that I would still produce, but I would just not view it as a, as much of a job, but I would still do stuff. 
I will have a lot of things I would still want to do. Um, and, and I guess a lot of them might be considered uh, production. Like if I made a YouTube channel or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously you'd want to make a good YouTube channel, right? You'd want to make something that people are going to watch. Well, as long as you're having fun, I think that's the number one thing about a hobby is that you're having fun. And like you said about people who enjoy their work, they're having fun doing it. So mm. it's two, it's twofold. Try, I think it's trying your best to strive in life to, to do that, which you love. It's very important. And I think that is essential, right? It's in, you know, Buddhism and it's in every, every, mindfulness, really love what, what you do or sorry, do what you love. Then the reverse is love what you do, right? So whatever it is you're doing, you might as well love it because you have to do it anyway. You hate sweeping the floor, make it a game, do something with it because you have to do it. You're at a job you don't like, okay. Are you trying to, to find a new job and do something to get better? Even though it's very hard, I, I don't dismiss that. It's difficult. But are you trying to do something day in, day out, little step at a time, little thing at a time. At the same time, have fun with what you're doing. Try to have fun with it. I mean, make games out of it. I know it's not, you can probably name a whole bunch of cases, but that's not, it's very difficult. Working in an, an Amazon shipping warehouse has to be one of the worst jobs I've ever seen. Um, running around 15, 20, 30 seconds to get from one aisle to another. It's not really a job for humans. Do you know what I mean? Which sucks because at a certain point with AI and tech, like what, what do you do when everybody gets replaced for self-driving cars? Now you don't need truck drivers anymore. What do you do when you're talking about retail and all these places that you're like, you don't need trained people and you can do it with some sort of AI robot, Boston Dynamics. I'm sure they have, I'm sure we could do it. But the problem is if you did it, what do you do with half your population being unemployed? Is the other half the population going to be like, that's cool. You guys just take it easy. We're going to keep working. <laughs> you know what I mean? There has to be some sort of incentive and there has to be support. That's, I guess, my long spiel, which started from that whole love what you do and do what you love, which for me is... <laughs> Again, I thought you were going <laughs> to turn turn it into some dark uh, corner where, you know, the back to the financial uh, stability thing. I thought you, you were going to... Again, I thought you were going to say, like, people wouldn't want to do shit uh, if everyone was, like, financially stable to the point that, like, maybe we do like the dark angles, like we do need poor people as if they're like, we're dangling a carrot in front of them on a, I'm getting Bugs Bunny on a treadmill with a carrot yeah. dangling in front of them um, so that they're motivated to do something. Cause like me, if I have, I don't know the, the amount of number of money I would need in my, in my stock account. Like I've heard 1 million or 2 million that I can just put and like gain my salary and interest. Right. At that point, then I'm just, I'm producing, like I said, I would make my own YouTube channel, but I wouldn't be motivated to produce as much as like these people who, who freaking needed to survive. Mm. Um, and uh, so like the question is just like, should people like me in future me not be able to exist as easily or I don't know, right? Like to be able to coast at some point. Yeah. But I think that's also kind of like not beating the system, but being able to coast at a certain point is kind of like figuring it out and getting to a point where. Uh, hmm. But if what if you're really rich, though, Derek, then like every or, or will. Well, let's say you're <laughs> mega rich, then all the all your kids and future generations, they could technically unless they F up your your family estate, they could just coast right off the interest alone. They don't have to work at all. No, not, not at all. 
is that a broken would you think that's like a broken aspect then i've read it's a broken aspect and oh, I, okay. I, I i i've read i've read it and also the logic kind of breaks down because at one point down your family line eventually somebody's going to do something stupid and lose the money and your family won't be rich anymore and they'll have to work <laughs> But it, frozen Derek has to be unfrozen. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be frozen by that point. They're gonna bring me back. I'm gonna be like, lost money. Can't refreeze myself. What do I do? Can I go back in time? No, only forward in time. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but no, I I, I mm. it's almost like a cheat code if you if one of your ancestors was mega rich and, and, and they just stashed it away, right? In, in, in the stock market. So they yeah. get eight, eight to 10% a year. Yeah. Like, and you just take that out and then you keep that stash there. Yep. <laughs> but you know, all, all, all the people I've seen or uh, the characters, you know, either be fictional or, re or real characters that, that I've come across, um, you know, when you're rich and you don't have to do anything and I'll even say you're, you know, entitled or whatever, um, I think at that point, it's not a very good life to live. I wouldn't want to live that life. Do you know what I mean? I think you always need to have some sort of effort uh, that you put into it. There has to be a drive. And yeah, you're right. You're the, uh, I've often heard famous people talk about this. Like Joe Rogan talks about this, where all of a sudden, you know, he grew up in a hard neighborhood, a hard, a hard life in certain ways. And, you know, he ended up being strong because of it. But, you know, somebody born in, in richness and in wealth, well, they don't have to struggle and they don't have the same appreciation for life and for struggle and for, for anything, the gratitude that you get when you have to struggle in life. Right. Um, mm. And is struggle necessary. You talked about is poor necessary. Well, is struggle necessary. Do we have to struggle to, to, you know, enjoy life? So no, it's, it's, it's the whole idea of inherited wealth is, is, is such a hard one to tackle, right? You just take it away and you know, you know, as soon as somebody passes away, you take away all of their, their, their money you know like you're living in a house your, your parents pass away and all of a sudden they're like we'll get get out of the house because it's not yours anymore yeah it's not yours they they, they 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 tried that communism and it didn't work and i'm not saying communist i i think there's a lot of a lot of good moral and ethical values that are weaved in communism but when it's been tried it failed horribly and has some of the biggest death count in history right um and, and i don't know i don't know i, I definitely think it's a basic human instinct. You want, like, th th think about it, okay? And, and now we're gonna get into your favorite topic or least favorite topic, the one you make me research for you, you know, death and and then and, and life and all that stuff. Well, if you accept that you're gonna die, okay, and that you're gonna stop living and you don't exist anymore, well, what if you does continue? If you do great work like Einstein, people are gonna still talk about you, your formulas, you have an impact on the world moving forward. Um, great. Okay. Uh, maybe you did a work of art and people, people love it. But apart from that, it's what it's, I guess, either your direct family or the people you affect and, 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 and moves forward. So of course, people are going to want to live immortally through their kids and you want your kids to do well. That's why you work so hard, right? That's why you work so hard is to try to support your kids or your friends or, or somebody, either that, or you're just a narcissist who wants to be really rich and you know, own a lot and have power and control, right? But uh, if you're, uh, set aside the one to 5% of the population who are, uh, I guess, living in that kind of amoral way, it's natural to want to take care of your kids and to take that away from somebody, you know, as a law or uh, imposed, 
I, I don't know how that's going to go. I, I don't see it working. It's fighting human nature on too big of a scale and expecting change to happen too quickly. Now, Sergey was talking about that, that humans aren't ready for exponential growth. And I think we're not ready for exponential change. We're not good with change. It takes even, even a generation. You figure at a certain point, people get with new trends or whatever, whether it be just words you don't use or new ways that you do things or say things and, and whatever, you adapt it and you're agile to the society around you. A lot of people aren't. Most people <laughs> very hard-headed and set in their ways, right? So uh, yeah, that I don't think you can overcome all that uh, necessarily. I don't know. I, I, I don't think just imposing something like no inherited wealth would be a good idea, personally. I was thinking about um, a bit about like UFC fighters. You made me think of uh, the whole motivation aspect, how some of them, once they hit the top, like there is this huge, uh, for some of them, like some, like the few stood the test of time. But a lot of them, there's this whole motivation thing that gets sucked out. Like uh, Ronda Rousey was like super, she wanted to go down as the, the best female fighter of all time. But once she won and she hit her first loss, like I guess all that motivation just died. Like, um, so I could see a bit of how like if you hit the top, you are less motivated um, to continue on or, or, or you need to find some, some new goal, right? Yeah. Now you have to, because once you get to the top, that's the thing. You can try to stay at the top and that's great. But I mean, once you get to the top, you're going to start seeing new peaks in the background too, different peaks. And, and as a human being too, we also get bored of stuff too, right? I mean, we, we desire novelty, change, transformation. We want new things to happen. We want new challenges. We don't want to just fight the same fight over and over again. Do you know what I mean? That gets pretty boring. Imagine you're Ronda Rousey, even if you're on the top and you're always just beating people and beating people and winning. You don't have a challenge or you don't have some sort of um, something to overcome. It's not going to be as worthy, right? It's not as fun. If you always win. Yeah. Okay. To a certain point, like you're talking about poker or, or gambling or the stock market. Yeah. If you always win, it's great. You make a lot of money, but even like, you know, video games or board games, if you always win every game, are you really going to have fun? Aren't you going to want to turn that difficulty up a little bit and get a little bit of a challenge, right? Well, that's, that's why I didn't like, like playing Mario Kart with you, man. Why? You always won, man, with Donkey Kong shit. <laughs> On like 64, way back when? <laughs> Smash Brothers. Oh, don't get me started with my, 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 my dissatisfaction with Nintendo. Oh, my God. Nintendo, for me, just dropped the ball. They've had so long to get an online chat service going and a decent online just network or framework, and they haven't. It's disgusting, man. It's like you can't go on... Uh, imagine you just want to go and play like four people online Mario Kart right now with friends who are in another house. You can't do it. You have to join like this big global room and you can't really chat and you're, you have to, I think you have to go on Discord to talk and whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe kids nowadays are more technologically set up and it's not an issue. As an old man trying to play a kid's game, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Oh shit, man! What do you got? You, you don't have a console, huh? You're pure, uh, pure PC. Pure PC. Just, uh, uh, yeah. Just haven't felt the need. I haven't felt the need to be engrossed by a game, but I want to. I, I it's like that. Uh, it's like those highs you get when I finally like see a magic trick that actually tricks me. It's like going back when 
I'm trying to recapture that dopamine hit that I got from Diablo 2, you know? When oh, yeah. it was like, you get sucked in and you felt compelled to play every day. You felt compelled to finish dinner or supper as fast as possible so you can get back to leveling up your guy. Um, I felt that way a few times. Like, Dragon Age came later. Um, and uh, played Teamfight Tactics quite a bit when it first came out. Like, uh would go pretty hardcore on it, like playing it until really late at night. Um, so we'll see. Like maybe I'm waiting, for, I guess, randomly stumbling upon a game that will get me sucked in. Um, would would be kind of would be kind of cool, especially like now, like during COVID. It yeah. went. Uh, <laughs> well, I mind that. eventually, hopefully, uh, once uh, uh, Seab gets his uh, PC. We'll, we'll start some sort of League of Legends team or something. Uh, get some runs going. Get some good team chemistry. Live stream that. And uh, there's our passive income we're talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to be in uh, for you to like try it. Just because it's it's the most like I've tried it. We, uh, my wife and I, played it for a bit, and uh, it was enjoyable. Like it's. One problem with video games I find though is that like you're saying you go and level up your character in Diablo and I'm back in another Diablo season leveling up uh, um, a couple of characters a, a sorcerer yeah. and, and, uh, and the witch doctor look and you, look at you but you get to a point where you're playing the game again you're like I'm just leveling up to level up my character do things to get another weapon I'm like it gives you a false sense of like that dopamine that that good feeling of accomplishment for little things you know but right there's no point to it. And you get to know I mean, that at, at our age, we played so many games. It's like, I've done this before, right? I'm, I'm playing Spider-Man and I loved the Spider-Man game. I, I really enjoyed playing it. I bought it for $26, not $80. That also changes my appreciation for the game maybe too. But I found that it's the same game as, um, uh, I, I call it Age of Mordor, but whatever, Age of, uh, Age of War, the uh, Shadow of Mordor game type thing where it's that same style of, of game. It's all the same game. It's the same mechanics. You have the same things you've had in all the other games just played back at you. Uh, there's not really any new novelty. That's why I really got into Rocket League. At least it was like, hey, you're a car and you're you're hitting a ball into a net and it's more of an arcade round-based game. But a lot of the open world games, there's only so many actions you can make something do with a keyboard or whatever. So I don't know, maybe at a certain point, you know, when, once you stop doing something for long enough, you can kind of get back into it at a certain point kind of like nostalgia but i think for me the next big step is going to be vr gaming that that if i really want to get back oh, into video games instead of striking like... vipers <laughs> vr not uh i guess i guess what uh, what is vr though if you have like the headset on they call that vr right right then what's striking vipers well striking vipers is like sensation and whatever that's that's like that's like actually you know what that hero etf that i have the second <laughs> Neuralink comes out they're managed to like link your brain into the freaking like HTC or the Oculus or whatever, and you can feel and really have a sensation that you're there. That's going to be fantastic, man. Like a holodeck pretty much, which actually, I, I guess I ask most guests that come on my, uh, my, my podcast, what they'd do if they had a holodeck. What's the number one program you run? Is it really striking vipers? What, what do you run? What, what's a holodeck? Like exactly holodeck? what, what's striking vipers is. Yeah, like, kind of like you can you can create any universe you want. You can create an, an artificial universe where it smells, it looks, feels, sensations, everything that is real, but it's not. You can walk around the room unhindered. You don't have to worry about walking into walls. 
essentially you can get transported to any fictional world you want and you have like a god mode you can't die but, okay but and i'm I, i'm actually feeling unhindered but like my physical body's probably like like striking vipers like i'm I'm, uh, I'm just like laying on the couch or whatever, right? You're, you, let's say you're you. You have no uh, superpowers. You, don't, you can't like, you, you can't turn into Goku. Ooh, that'd be even cooler though, turning into like Goku or something. But uh, no, you can't do that. You you can only... Uh... Turn into Goku would suck if I do feel pain though. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That's, well, it depends how powerful you set yourself as being, right? You can set it to whatever. How much, how much pain would you want to feel? Would you want to feel pain? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I think the answer is probably no, right? Like, you don't want to play a game like Striking Vipers, which for anybody who doesn't know, by the way... Striking is our favorite game. Our favorite <laughs> game. <laughs> it's a uh, kind of like a virtual reality game where, like, two two characters can fight each other. And uh, let's just leave it at that. That's <laughs> all it is, man. That's all it is. <laughs> Uh, black black mirror watch that watch that episode um black mirror yeah you're making me think like obviously now you've you've already like biased my mind to want to be a superhero like i've always wanted to be like you know batman or whatever right if i could like really want to be batman do you know what batman has to do like look at the green lantern poster right there he has to fight against like black lantern dead superman Who's gonna pummel his face into the ground and probably kill him, and then the ring will resurrect him and he'll do whatever? That's that's pretty intense, man. That's a lot of conflict. So, are we saying that we desire conflict? Uh oh, that's a good point. No, I think I think I desire just beating the shit out of criminals. <laughs> Is that what you want to beat the shit out of people or to like fly through space and do whatever? I guess defending people that that is noble, though, right? Like it's you want to defend people, you want to protect people, you want to have that ability, and and you know, because like in society, if if you know, if I was like Batman, right, I would actually do Batman shit, right? I would like, I don't know, investigate some of these like things that the cops don't have time or or have neglected. I would just like be a badass, and like there wouldn't be random like crazy mobs that you know. You'd be Batman. You just jump in their headquarters and just kick everyone's ass, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I think I, I, I guess think yeah. Kind of like Spider-Man or like Batman or whatever. It's kind of like a you 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 could you could create a scenario where there didn't have to be anybody getting hurt, because that's the thing, right? Like, and that's a lot of times in in theology and when people start thinking about religion, they're like, well, why would God create a universe where people suffer, right? And if you could experience everything in the universe and create a holodeck to experience whatever you want. Would you create a scenario in which people had to suffer just for the the the, the scenario, right? I mean, I don't know. I, it's a very loaded question, but uh, I don't know. You got to be thinking about that with the conflict and the, uh, you know, would you want to feel pain? I don't know. I guess you would. I thought that at one point. You know what I mean? Like, would you want to experience? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, like, would you want to be in Starship Troopers fighting those aliens and whatever? And act? Would you want to be eaten by a worm? No. Like, okay. You get to live for eternity. Oh no! This is that. <laughs> this is that stupid. Question. Did I show you that? <laughs> no. What oh, I talked about uh, Palm Springs, that movie. Yeah, where it's like because uh, he he. It's the whole like idea that his day resets every day, 
So at one point, it's like, why not fuck a dude, basically, right? Like at one point, you just why not want to do whatever? Why would why not <laughs> by a giant worm? Well, I guess in his case, he's he's bound by, you know, the laws of physics, right? But it's a good question. Like, there's nothing wrong with having sex with a man, right? You live forever. You want to try it? Sure, that, that's cool. But would you want to do something unethical? Would you want to do something wrong? Would you want to, you know, be hit by a train? I, I don't know why, but I mean, if you have to live forever, would you? Do you know what I mean? Right, I right. It's an unfair question because it's obviously not not possible. But I mean, who knows? Yeah, I can't. Answer. Yeah, it's hard to answer. I, I, I still lean towards probably not. I don't want to be, get hit by a bus, but yeah. Uh, hey, Andrew, you're on uh, you're on the podcast now. Oh, but like, star. <laughs> but but but. I mean, we could talk about chess. We could talk about something else. I thought chess was a good place to start. It's a place where, even though I'm very analytical, I find that I'm not necessarily that good at, at chess. It's not obvious what what the right moves are or, or anything. So I guess it's a different uh, a different type of strategy and logic that I'm I'm interested in. So I just want to get your opinion on that and and talk strategy in general, game theory, you know. You have that game you're good at though. That's almost like chess, remember? Like this, like this, like small board or whatever. Oh yeah, Corintho with the little like, towers that you built. Yeah, yeah, that's your shit. Man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's easy. I'm. I can master easy games. That's easy. <laughs> Mastering hard games. That's a different. But thing. like these, are, like but the thing is, like these other games. Like I have a stack of books here. They're either like poker or or like. So it's like, is it even worth the time to improve at it? You know, it's mm, debatable yeah. depending on uh, what I want my like kids uh, to learn chess when they grow up. I guess, but I'm 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 indifferent actually. I, like, if they like it, sure. But I'm not like when I was when I was playing, I would be like, yeah, I'm gonna teach my son chess one day. But now it's like, yeah, I mean, it could be any game. I think that has some strategic element, and I would I would be in support of it. And you don't feel chess gave you, I guess that was my question in, in, in it. You feel chess provides a specific type of learning that you don't get from another game, like a Magic the Gathering or even uh, Mage Knight or whatever complex game you want to start thinking of. I think, I think maybe it goes back to, to what I just uh, realized, which is that because maybe it convinces a kid if they learn chess and they read a book and they realize they've improved a lot, then they'll realize the power of, of acquiring knowledge. Whereas like a lot of these like magic, you can improve just by playing and not studying. So maybe inserting that lesson, like I don't even have to teach him that he'll probably like, if he were to learn chess, he picks up a book, he reads it by himself. He will, because he starts out sucking he will improve so exponentially. He'll be convinced that like books give him power and they do. If you give them, like if you put the effort in, so maybe I would rather him play chess over other games just for that aspect. So like, because like people won't even like how many people like improve poker by that you would know of that improve poker by reading a bunch of books. I don't you? really know. Yeah. Besides me, like I don't really <laughs> know anyone. Who really reads a book? I mean, who reads a book? And, and the problem is maybe not everybody reads a book the same way. If you can read a book and digest the material, good. But I think some people need to work the material more and they don't do that enough. Either by playing 
or by just trying to pull up like um, work, work it, right? Because we have a short-term memory, a long-term memory, and in between we have the working memory. Where we're kind of like playing with things and then eventually gets kind of shoved into the, the long-term memory once you've played with it. That's why in school we write things down and we study and we do practice examples and whatever, right? So if you read books for poker, but you never try to put it into action, it's like learning Portuguese, but never talking it, you're not gonna, you know, you kind of know it, but you never practiced it. And I think the problem is, like you said, sometimes, especially for games, it's really the other way. People want to practice, they want to put the effort into doing it, but they don't want to have to do the work and actually, you know, reading and understanding what, what the logic is. And I'm probably guilty of that too, because at a certain point, I could study chess, I could I'm not going to say I could become the best chess player in the world, but I'm sure I could get good at it eventually. Yeah, I believe that. But why? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why that? Well, why, why not? Why not? Why do you play Diablo, bro? <laughs> for fun. I don't study. You know that. But that's the thing, and that's the thing. I mean, I don't play video. I play video games to have fun, to relax, to be competitive. But I'm not playing it because I want. To, I want to play Monster Hunter, and I want to understand that this damage modifier affects him that way and if i have this sword with this lightning ability it counteracts his whatever enchantment like really at that point i might as well learn chemistry or uh do something else do you know what i mean like it becomes work for me at that point right uh, putting in the work for it if i'm going to do that i might as well do stocks i might as well do research on video editing or, or whatnot right so uh, for, i don't know we're talking about i guess this kind of comes back to our initial or one of our topics of, you know, you know, doing something for fun or doing something just to, to do it or make money. No, I guess, I guess for me, chess just isn't my calling. <laughs> yeah. I'll become the uh, master of quiplash. I don't, yeah. I mean, I know it sounds bad, but uh, perhaps, but, but money is a huge driver for me now that I mm. know that it's just like a huge driver for me just because I know that like hitting that, I mean, who knows, maybe I will ra not randomly, but maybe I will lose motivation to do stuff, but just hitting that ultimate goal where um, I can take more risks. Like if I, if I had a million dollars, I could just like quit my job, do, yeah. but like do YouTube, give YouTubing a shot for a year or even two years. Right. If yeah. I'm still working some, stuff on the side to make money or if bitcoin continues to go up like there's different scenarios where i can quit my job jump into youtube and still be okay for quite yeah. a while and uh i would love to have that luxury just to to see what happens like get back in the content game with you because yeah. you know i haven't been doing um any content producing for a while so just uh realizing that i want to achieve this like um this amount of wealth just to be able to um, do whatever. I think, uh, yeah, that's what's motivating me. Oh, it's good, man. It's good to be motivated. It's good to have that uh, that fire behind you. It's also good to have other people that you know doing it too. So I really do hope that you get back into content creation because you know what I mean? You do content creation. Gobby has a lot of skills. And <laughs> I think I, th I think that's the thing I'm realizing. Wait, what skills doesn't he have? He has the most random set of woodworking he can make guitars he can uh, make good music you know so he's got a lot of skills man but i think we're we're saying that we're realizing the importance of money and then making money to be able to to feel comfortable i'm starting to realize more the importance of people especially even in the money making aspect of it right 
anything you want to do, any big venture that you want to try to undertake, any success you're going to have, unless you're very lucky, you're going to have to work with people or find people or kind of find a way to work with people. And I think that's what you see, right? Like having a good, good core, or at least having resources at your disposal and having a, a network is essential, right? So uh, yeah, money's important, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know. I think I'd measure my life more on um, how close of relationships I had and how much of a difference I feel I made in other people's lives and how much value I brought, right? Uh, which like you said, sometimes you need money to be able to get yourself in that position to feel like you can do it, right? You can take that risk, that risk tolerance of, well, what if it doesn't work out or or at least trying it as a hobby, right? So, nah. can't wait. Yeah, no. Can't wait to watch that table for two. I'll end, end this uh, show with this one last thing. So yeah. one of the reasons I've been crushing at, at uh, poker and sports betting was because of someone, you know, I, I befriended someone. He's, uh, he's actually a famous poker author, uh, Ed Miller. He started his, um, he has many renowned books. And uh, he started a poker coaching site with a few friends. I was one of the first subscribers and we met when they, they held like a, a, a first year anniversary, I guess, or, a, or just a summer. I was in Vegas. I, I met him, kept in touch with him over Twitter over the years and exchanged ideas on, uh, well, he's retired from poker since, but like exchanged a lot of ideas over sports, uh, daily fantasy sports, regular sports betting, and then contrib- contribute, uh, I would say 95% of why I'm, I'm as good as I am now, I feel. Don't tell my wife that who thinks I'm too cocky now, but like uh, to him. So like having those connections, like you may have not invested in Bitcoin because of me. So yeah. if you become a millionaire because of Bitcoin, I mean- There you go. Because <laughs> of that connection. So um, yeah, like teaming up with, uh, with the right people or, or people you can trust or people who are willing to exchange their ideas with you and share and, and benefit mutually benefit. I mean, that's, that's been huge for me yeah. to get out of my hole and, and, and feel really optimistic about the future. Of course, man, it's motivating, especially when you see other people doing stuff, you're taking part in it and, and things are active. It's uh, engaging. It's invigorating. And uh, I love it. I can't wait to, uh, to watch more content from you in the future and uh, get you on the show too. I have to get you on the show and, uh, and start uh, pushing you back there. What's this show called? Choking the chicken? <laughs> well, what, 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 what do you want to... I was thinking about having like... You know my rule, right? On YouTube, you have to have flashy titles and, and whatever, right? Yeah. It's definitely going to be uh, Bitcoin in there, BTC, uh, chess, strategy, uh, whatnot. But it's... Right now, the series is called like Talking with, Talking with Neighbors. Uh, you know, a deep dive with Derek production made by Mango Manifestival uh, production company. I have all those names and all that and, and great, but I, I mean, I don't know, man. I think eventually deep dive with Derek might become something else. I, I the name doesn't really speak. It's I like it. It speaks to me. It's what I started with. Wait, why does it have Derek in it then? <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> Caught me in my hypocrisy. It is still my name, right? So it's weird. You can't just change your name to Will and have people think it's like kosher. I'd have to move to BC or change something drastic and start calling myself Will. Well, I guess this would have been the great, uh, 
a great uh, great opportunity but uh whatever all right as right, as we're finishing bitcoin's back at over 36k usd yes hitting, hitting all-time highs so uh sell sell <laughs> <laughs> don't sell bye bye i don't know what i'm talking about have fun go play chess <laughs> Uh, it's awesome, man. Good. Let's uh, keep up that investment. Eventually, we'll uh, we'll have uh, maybe one uh, one Bitcoin equivalent in the future with uh, our gains down from 0.006 that I'm at right now. So, right, everybody. Thanks uh, for for watching. Car, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for being Thanks with for me. having me. Well, a lot of fun, inspiration to me. Thanks, everybody. Whenever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. Have fun, all my love, namaste.